Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's blog and theboys.com. This is the SB Nation NFL show. This is Monday Football Monday, and it is the first Monday following an NFL Sunday, which means one very important thing. We have a lot of NFL football to react to. This is what we will do every single Monday, and we do it live. You can watch us live on the SB Nation NFL Twitter. You can watch us live on the SB Nation NFL Facebook page. You can also obviously listen to this on the SB Nation NFL show, wherever you get your podcast. Search for the SB Nation NFL show. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Those things mean the world to us. You can listen to me. Like I said, I'm RJ Ochoa, but you really come here for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to hear the audio stylings of one Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, SB Nation's home for Kansas City Chiefs content. Pete Sweeney! Happy Monday after week one. You know, Pete, there are a lot of shows that, you know, recap the Sunday action in the NFL, just like there are a lot of um, like chicken sandwiches, you know, like Chick-fil-A. Oh, my the God. OG. There's so many chicken sandwiches. And Popeye's. Churches has one now. Whataburger has a chicken sandwich. I know you think you're cool because you're finally going to have access to the dub. But, I mean, if you had to compare us to an actual chicken sandwich uh, in the world of chicken sandwiches, who would we be in what? Deluxe Chick-fil-A sandwich, mm. the spicy version. Oh, yeah. French fries. Lay it on me. Dr. Pepper to wash it down. Uh huh. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure indeed. Pete Sweeney, it's great to see you. Your face is flush with uh, lots of emotions. Uh, We're going to roll through every single game that happened in the NFL on Sunday. I know know you want to touch on what happened last Thursday, but we have a lot of content and coverage on that. If if we have time, we'll certainly talk about uh, what happened between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Your first thoughts before we dive in. Yeah, I have initial thoughts. And, and, I won't get into any game specifically because I have thoughts on a lot of games, but you're an important person to me. And Uh uh, Mm -hmm. I know know you're on several shows on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, I know that you not only talk about the Kansas City Chiefs on this show, Mm -hmm. you talk about them on other shows. I have heard on several other shows my name muttered about maybe how I'm a homer. Mm. I've seen that in the comments right there. Yeah, that's that's not us. That's I remain. I remain telling people that I'm from New York. I'm not a homer. I just inherited this beat, which I thoroughly enjoy, obviously, with all the success. But I felt like, you know what this Sunday called for? It, I got in the kitchen, and I felt like this belongs to you, and that's a, a humble pie. And you could share it with the rest of the members of the SB Nation. Pete, it's NFL adorable show. that, that you plenty think of, the Chiefs eking out a win is a sign of, 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 of extreme strength. Um, it's not only the Chiefs. It has to do with what happened in the nfc east and it has to do with what happened to your beloved afc team the buffalo bills that and I will again, eat some pie on we that will, I will talk totally eat some pie i've got a lot in All this right. episode well okay let's go ahead and get to it pete cut it up into slices because it sounds like we have a lot uh to share um surely we have some we can you know put in the fridge overnight and reserve mm-hmm. for the oddcast tomorrow sure uh, blg and stats uh, let's start with the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, were the only team in the NFC East to secure the bag in week one, defeating the Atlanta Falcons 32-6. to It was a strong debut for Devontae Smith, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Caught a touchdown. In fact, we saw touchdowns from a lot of first-round rookie uh, wide receivers. Like I said, we'll get to everything there. Uh, Jalen Hurts was impressive in his, uh, I wouldn't, you can't call it a debut, but you know, kind of true debut, I suppose, without um, if you want to say Carson Wentz looking over him, um, I, I think there was a lot of positives to take away from Philadelphia here. I do, you know, wonder if it's a bit of a mirage. I think Atlanta looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, I think we, you know, 
to be clear here, I have been higher on the Eagles than most of the people here at the SB Nation NFL show. I think they could finish as high as second in the NFC East. And they look like a team that can beat up on the bad teams, which is what they did. This is something you're supposed to do if you have a chance to be a good team. So good for the Eagles. But the Falcons, holy crap, what a disaster. Yes, I I looked at this game and, and this a year ago was the two worst teams in the NFC East and or I should say the NFC and for for two of the worst teams in the NFC. And because of that, because of those results, you saw the coaching changes, right? Mm -hmm. One team looked the same and the other looked to have some juice. And to me, that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts wasn't a marvelous day but he was competent. I really liked the connection that they've reestablished with Devontae Smith. You mentioned the touchdown. I thought this was cool. A fun twist I read was that in the end zone at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that's exactly where Smith caught the championship winning pass in 2018 when Alabama came back and, and beat Georgia. That actually was a pass from Tua, who I'm sure we'll get to uh, in a little bit here. And then you compare him to Matt Ryan. And Ryan had just 164 yards. He was sacked three times. Kyle Pitts, who was advertised as this Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle type of tight end from the gate, did not really make a ton of noise in this game. And because of that, you start to wonder, uh-oh, did Atlanta make a mistake in potentially not going and getting a quarterback, being a little fancy there, uh, and going and getting the tight end? A lot of young pieces looked really good for Philly. One head coach that's new started off really well and has a lot to build on, and one needs to scramble here, or else a lot of people are going to start asking questions for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I think um, to your point, a lot of people, you know, the tweets, you know, flying around here were Atlanta really passed on Justin Fields uh, to draft Kyle Pitts. You know, we'll get to him as well, but Atlanta also passed on Mac Jones, you know, to pass Kyle Pitts. I mean, they didn't just pass on one quarterback. They passed on several. And Fields it, and Lance, who both had touchdowns. You know, right. You know I, I mean? mean, yeah. I mean, you know. Well, not, be, not Lance, be, I guess. They couldn't, have, they couldn't have drafted Lance. No, you're right. But, I mean, this – and Arthur Smith said after the game, and I know this is kind of like coach speak, but said he didn't do a great enough job preparing his team for this game. And I just that didn't sit right because to your point, Nick Sirianni did. You know what I mean? Like you're you're you just this 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 really reeks of a bad situation for Atlanta. And I, I really don't want to take anything away from Philly. I thought it was a, a great win. You mentioned the end zones at Mercedes Benz Stadium. That was actually an interesting component to this. Dallas Goddard caught a touchdown. Um, but kind of, you know, caught it landing on the ball. And, and it was hard to tell whether or not he secured the catch underneath. But he was wearing the, the Philly green jersey. The end zone was painted black. And Mercedes-Benz Stadium has some shadows that are casted onto the field in this particular part of the end zone. So it was the shadow, it was the black end zone, it was the dark green jersey. You really could not tell, you know, with the dark brown ball, whether or not he caught it. The touchdown stood, and it's not like it was a, a big swing in the game or anything, you know, based on the final score. Uh, but just an interesting wrinkle. Definitely very excited to see what the Eagles look like, um, you know, moving forward. We'll see how they play against San Francisco. And I think that's where a lot of Eagles fans probably are at. Okay, we got the win. That's nice. Uh, but how do we fare against a, a real, a, a more legitimate team, a more established team? San Francisco certainly fits that bill, although we'll get to their game and how they almost blew it. Uh, stock up, definitely on Philly. But Atlanta, is it an exaggeration to say among the worst teams in the NFL off of a super you know, large sample size that is one week? I don't think yet. You got to see what these teams develop into. And that's why week two is always important. As we talk mm -hmm. about week one, we don't know how bad Atlanta is. Maybe they're the worst team in the NFL. Maybe the Eagles just happen to be good. Wink, wink, RJ, the first place team by themselves in the NFC East. I said that they would finish first only 16 weeks to go. So we'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. Talked about shadows with Dallas Goddard. I think uh, Zach Ertz clearly in the shadow right now. Oh, Goddard. I nice. know a lot of people were worried about what kind of fantasy impact Ertz still on the team would have with Goddard. And to me, he's still going to be one of the better tight ends in the league. He had a touchdown. I thought it was interesting that Kenneth Gainwell, who has a lot of juice, if you want to talk fantasy-wise, uh, he was able to get in the end zone. It, it looked just like one team who is on the rise, again, super early, and one team who made a lot of changes. And right now, it looks like that this initially – will be one of these years where it's going to be like, okay, four or five wins. Let's continue to build right. for next year, but we'll see. 
so early. So um, early. let's move on now of the points you raised earlier. Uh, this is the one where I will truly eat the most humble pie. The Pittsburgh Steelers defeating the Buffalo Bills final score 23 to 16. I'll start Pete just so you can kind of enjoy it. Yeah. As in super high on Buffalo. Oh and my God. If the highest. Gonna, if, if you're going to be that's your AFC team. team. That's your if, AFC. Well, team. yeah, I mean, and I've been super high on Josh Allen. In fact, I get a lot of heat from Cowboys fans for ranking Josh Allen above Dak Prescott. And I just, I, you know, I believe in what I see. And, you know, it's one game to your point, you know, obviously, and that's the case for all these teams, right? Like Buffalo could come out next week and be awesome. Maybe this is a sign of things to come. But this was really disappointing for Buffalo, a game at home. And, you know, on the look ahead, you mentioned I, I do different so, uh, different shows here. I've said before that when Buffalo beat Pittsburgh last year, it was kind of a changing of the guard from uh, not like teams that's winning a bunch of Super Bowls, but team in the AFC who's capable of grinding these games out, being an elite force, hard to beat, especially at their place. And they were just flat. I mean, there's there's no other word to put it. Pittsburgh didn't score at all in the first half, and Buffalo just couldn't capitalize on this. Josh Allen, you know, obviously his accuracy was going to regress. I, you know, I don't think anyone you know has an idea in terms of how much it's going to regress. But this was just such a squandered opportunity. T.J. Watt had a huge play late in the game uh, that set up uh, a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, or a blocked punt for a touchdown for Pittsburgh. I mean, just a really disappointing game for Pittsburgh, I, or for Buffalo, excuse me. I still don't believe in Pittsburgh long-term, but they do clearly still have that trait of being that team that can grind it out, which is what they've been for a long time. Nobody likes to listen to me when I say it in a statement. Let's stop comparing Josh Allen to Patrick Mahomes. Nobody nope. is really nobody doing that, to be clear. Stop it. Stop it. Nobody, yes, nobody is doing that. There's yes, nobody who in full conscious mind is doing this. In Buffalo, there is. And nationally, okay. there is well, yeah, going into a season. Is, but... You did to an extent. If if no. jo- if the you think that the Buffalo Bills are going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which you predicted, you got to be thinking at least Allen is in the ballpark of Patrick Mahomes. Right. That the there's so many layers to that though. I mean, the only way, the only way that they are comparable is the strength of Josh Allen's arm. That's it. Nobody is at all saying this. So, like, respect on developing this little grudge that you have, but nobody in their full it's not legitimate a human RJ, mind. I all I've been trying to be is just telling you how mm, good this guy homer. is. And all I hear, the Homer, <laughs> I I I'm picking a team. That has won 15 of their last 17 games. It's not a homer. It's just telling you what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So when I see game, Pete. 8 of 11, uh, 8 of gross. 11 of Josh Allen drives across the 50-yard line, one touchdown. Gross. That would never happen in Kansas City. Early mm-hmm. in this but game, in the Super Bowl for Kansas Allen City. overthrew a wide-open Emmanuel Sanders. Patrick Holmes would not miss a wide-open receiver. He didn't yesterday. Uh, Allen also missed Stefan Diggs deep. These guys are not in the same realm. And in Kansas City has beaten Buffalo twice in the last calendar year. I, all Only I'm saying Pete, is, this is about Buffalo and Pittsburgh. It's not about Kansas City. We'll get to Kansas. Yet City. last week, last week you said the yeah, Bills our preview for everything, the preview for sure. the season. And so what I see in this game is a team who we wrote off. Me and you agreed on this point. We wrote off the. Oh, Pittsburgh we were Steelers. both wrong on Pittsburgh. Yeah, I totally agree there. We wrote off the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they came in and they won in it's Buffalo. And so See, what I'm just, saying is it is the it is an it is an AFC the, and I'm not going to bring up the Chiefs in every game but this per team in particular has been the perennial this is the next team that's going to knock off Kansas yeah. City. No they aren't. No they Here's aren't. The Kansas City is not losing to Pittsburgh 23 I, to 16. I don't think that Pittsburgh and look, we were, we were both wrong in the sense that they won a game and they beat an elite team in the AFC. Okay? Fine. Whatever. But um I this to me was was Buffalo losing this game more than it was Pittsburgh winning it. And I know that's a cliche, but Ben Roethlisberger did not look. Ben Roethlisberger made some nice throws in this game. Fine. But the, the warts from Pittsburgh that we've seen and identified are still there. They just ran into a Buffalo team that, you know, fell all over themselves. And that like this, this is about that to me. The problem, the concern is on the Buffalo end, not the positive vibes for the Pittsburgh end here. Buffalo's got to have to show me a lot more to, to to tell me that they even have a chance to be in the AFC title game after this effort. I don't I mean, and what I, I see in Pittsburgh, and this is I want to get into just Pittsburgh specifically here. There's two things. A, this screams like a team that can make the playoffs, which I didn't think they could based on a defensive first type of thing. Think the last year of of Peyton Manning with the Broncos. Sure. They could go on a run in that fashion. It's not it's not something that you see a lot. Yeah, it's but, not impossible. They're that good defensively. And to me, 
TJ Watt just signs his four-year $112 million contract, still ultra-motivated. He didn't even really practice during the offseason. I'm sure he was working out. We know how the Watts like to work out and give their pictures and stuff like that. To me, this was, and I understand that he was already on the radar, but to me, there are certain defensive players in the league who you talk about as complete and utter game wreckers, meaning they can take over a game defensively and change the course of it, screw up a really good offense, screw up a really good offensive game plan. This was, to me, TJ Watt's arrival game on, on that Aaron Donald level. Back in the day, Calais Campbell type of deal. That, to me, is this arrival for TJ Watt. You may have an offensive game plan, and, and you, you maybe go and play Pittsburgh away, or, or you go into Pittsburgh. TJ Watt may have another idea, and that may change games. And Pittsburgh, to me, really rose in that fact. It, it was deeper in that level. I know it's just week one, but this, to me, seems at least a 500 team because of what I think TJ Watt can now do. Yeah, and I think that's why people have long said, you know, Pittsburgh can't tank for a quarterback because that defense is too good. That defense is going to win you a couple of games on their own. Um, and in that sense, I'm interested, and I think you are too, to see Buffalo against a non-Pittsburgh team. Maybe Pittsburgh has the best defense in the NFL. You know what I mean? Um, and so maybe Buffalo just ran into that buzzsaw. That will be an interesting thing to follow up. But for now, yeah, Buffalo super, super disappointing. Uh, not great. But let's go to Cincinnati, Pete, where the Bengals uh, took a game. every single second required to secure <laughs> the bag. I believe this was the first time in NFL history um, that a score was uh, read the same at the end of regulation for the first time and then read in favor of somebody winning with no seconds remaining in overtime. Something like that, if that makes sense. The Bengals outlast the Vikings 27 to 24 again in the Queen City thanks to a game-winning field goal in the final seconds of overtime. Um, I, along with a lot of people here, have said that Zach Taylor is probably the first head coach fired on the season. I don't know that that really changes, but Zach Taylor had extreme gall in overtime Fourth and one, going for it, you know, could surrender incredible field position for the Vikings. And instead of just plowing it up the middle, decides to go deep to CJ Uzoma, who gets a big catch, gets the Bengals the win, ultimately with that field position. Uh, Joe Burrow looked great. Jamar Chase can catch the ball. Who thought? I mean, this was a big time win for your Cincinnati Bengals. You picked these guys to make the playoffs last year. I like the Bengals. I liked Joe Burrow. I was betting on Joe Burrow mm, last the year. Only the person to like Joe Burrow. Right. No, but I, I thought he was playing and I looked at their schedule, if you remember, and I said, there's a path to them sneaking into the postseason. And then Joe Burrow got hurt. So I didn't mean to jinx. I'm sorry. It's all these Bengals fans. I think you make a good point about the hot seat here. I, I almost think that it's a double hot seat type of game. Oh, Not I've been saying that about Mike Zimmer, too. I know he got the extension and everything recently. But yeah, like this team looks bad. Right. And it, th this is a game that is really bad to lose no, no matter who ended up losing it. Right. Like it wasn't a good game because it was two great teams. It was like a great game because it's two lower level teams that are seem to be on the same plane at this stage of the game. Um, if you got to blame it on one player, it would be Vikings cornerback Bashad Breland. He mm, was burned boy. on the 50 yard uh, touchdown and he actually took a pass interference uh, penalty on an earlier touchdown and he didn't look good in the preseason I got to watch him in Kansas City and and he he looks to have taken a significant step back and he uh, signed that one-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings good to see Thielen still ticking with the two touchdowns good to see Burrow back and looking good off the leg Chase as you mentioned the idea that he can't catch or he has the yips hopefully we can leave that in the rearview mirror this is a very very talented football player and then Joe Mixon uh, back in the mix, also had injury issues. He rushed for 127 yards and a touchdown. So Cincinnati ultimately played the better game um, and ended up with the win, as you mentioned, in overtime. Quick point on overtime, and this has nothing to do with the game. Why is it 10 minutes? I just think that's so silly. It needs to be longer. It's about four possessions each right now. Sometimes, you know, you don't see uh, people score in a quarter. It's it's less time than a quarter. Mm. I, I can do that math, RJ. And it needs to go back to 15 minutes because uh, the idea that uh, you have more ties. Be uh, what is five minutes? Uh, if you're going to have 10 minutes, you may like it. I, I don't know if the NFLPA and NFL agreed to it. Five minutes that's, is not going to make or break uh, a, an injury. I mean, that's I mean, the answer from the league that uh, insists on playing games every Thursday uh, is player safety. That that would be their answer. But, that's if you, why. but then get rid of overtime altogether. Am I like, I, I, you I know mean, what I mean? I agree with you. But, you know, it's, you know, it's or tough. go to college. 
Whatever. That's what, I mean, people have been saying that forever. Uh, I did want to add here, um, you mentioned the game was lost on Bashad Breland. I think this was just a really gross performance from Minnesota in general. Like, you can't lose to Cincinnati. Like, you can't be the team that gives another team, like, their first step. You know what I mean? Like, this was a first step for We Cincinnati. need to mention, too, that I, I blamed it on Breland because you got to look at the entire game, but Dalvin right. Cook had the key fumble. He did, and, and every Vikings starting offensive lineman, except for Brian O'Neill, who got his big extension last week, had a holding penalty in this game. But Brian O'Neill did have a false start. So, you know what I mean? Like, just a really sloppy performance from Minnesota. Um, and, you know, I, I think if you're – I think there's an argument to be made, especially with Andy Dalton as the Bears quarterback, and we'll get there, that the Vikings are the second-best team in the NFC North. And just a huge opportunity squandered. You know what I mean? Yesterday, when you look back at it with Green Bay losing, we'll get there as well. Um, so, tough cookies uh, for the Vikings. Let's go, Pete, to uh, the 3-1-3 where the Detroit Lions did not score 313 points. They just left out the one in the middle. So 33 points, um, enough to lose, though, to the San Francisco 49ers, who scored 41 on them. This game got interesting late. Uh, I know you were getting ready for the Chiefs game, so I don't know how much of it you saw in the moment. But lots of action. The Lions uh, pulled off an onside kick at the end uh, to get it to eight. And then Jimmy Garoppolo hit uh, Debo Samuel uh, for a gain, who fumbled it. Uh, really made things tough and dicey near the end for the 49ers. But San Francisco was like overpowered Detroit uh, before they just kind of took their foot off the gas. And I don't know if that's a, a sign of panic. I know Stats' tweets looked like somebody who was seething. But, I mean, it was a nice debut for San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo did fumble his first snap. Trey Lance scored. You mentioned that his first play. Um, incidentally, you mentioned that when we talked about the Falcons. Matt Ryan also scored on his first play in 2008. But, um, it, I mean, I think, you know, stats had said that if the 49ers didn't blow out the Lions, this would be really embarrassing. Uh, so I don't know exactly what to make of this, except for that Jared Goff is still really bad. It's just a case of you can never take your, your foot off the gas in the NFL against anybody. And I, I think it got to a point where it was 38-10 in this game. And I pulled this quote after the game. Nick Bosa said, I took my tape off and everything. I was expecting mm. it to be done. That was the entire mentality of San Francisco, who simply took their foot off the gas. And, the, you know, Al Shanahan's never done that with a team ever in his history, you know, <laughs> as, 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 in any sort of and, involvement of the team. Sure. Right. Good point. And I think Detroit showed a little bit no moral victories in football. I understand. But I think this showed them, okay, we're not. But we're we're not terrible. We can come back in the game. We can make it a one possession game against who a lot of people consider one of the NFC favorites potentially for the Super Bowl. That was really interesting. We got Shanahan a little bit, and it was less to do with the quarterbacks, which is what we maybe expected. Where there were some rumblings that it might be Garoppolo and Lance, where Garoppolo took two thirds of the snaps at quarterback, and Lance was coming in a lot. Where it, you know you saw a little bit of that in the preseason, uh, but Mostert left the game mm. and. You know, it wasn't hasty. It wasn't Trey Sermon, who was actually a healthy scratch. It was Elijah M Mitchell, who ended up rushing 19 times for 104 yards in the touchdown. And then really just not talked about. A lot of people were focusing in on the George Kittle return. But Debo Samuel, like you forgot about Debo a little bit because I think of all the injuries last year and just a tremendous game from him. Uh, that That's a number that pops nine catches for 189 yards and so san francisco did what they they did i don't think the fact that it became an eight point game says a lot about the 49ers it, it's a lesson if anything this is a very good football team that just needs to play a little bit longer like nick bosa leave the tape on a little bit longer and i think i think you'll be all right scared a lot uh, of betters i bet it was a seven and a half point spread it was uh, the most receiving yards for a 49ers wide receiver in a single game since Anquan Bolden back in 2013. So that was nice to see. Um, I don't know that I feel as rosy about the Lions. I mean, I know you're not like over, you know, flowing with love for them. But what I'm saying uh, is, I think here is more RJ. This is not going to be an 0 17 situation, which I, I thought might be a I possibility mean, prior to this game. Sure. I mean, I just, you know, People are going to look at the box scores of this, or people are going to look at like fantasy stuff. I mean, you've, you've mentioned that a couple of times and think, like, well, Jared Goff did all right. You know, had, you know so all these yards, whatever. Jared Goff um, had eight completions beyond 10 yards, and 30 of his 38 completions came within seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, so when you, when you see that, and then you see what Matthew Stafford did, and like I said, we'll get to that, um, you know, just, just kind of obvious. But, you know, uh, oh, one last note here. 
Um, an MRI this morning, Monday morning, confirmed that Lions cornerback Jeff Okuda, last year's number three overall pick, suffered a ruptured Achilles. So That's his a killer. That's an absolute um, killer. Is over. Uh, we head now down to uh, the Music City, where the Tennessee Titans got lambasted by the Arizona Cardinals, another team that I didn't believe in uh, personally. I mean, and again, it's just week one, but holy crap, Pete, the Cardinals thumping the Titans 38-13, to the final score. Chandler Jones led the way with five sacks. Uh, I know Stats shouted out the Taylor Luan quote uh, on the Sunday night wrap-up show. Stats did a great job, by the way. Every Sunday night, Stats will put that together and recap the day's action for you. Uh, Kyler Murray was remarkable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just absolutely incredible. Uh, really, you know, breathed a lot of life into the idea that this offense can be great. Obviously, there's still a lot of people who doubt in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, your takeaways. You high on the Cardinals. You low on the Titans. Where, where'd you fall here? Well, as I said on our prediction show last week i had the mm. four nfc west Cut that back teams making the postseason all of them won um mm. i i can't say that i predicted this though uh tennessee just getting killed i'm pretty high on tennessee as well and i expected them uh, to win this game but you you've been waiting for this right this is why you've connected cliff kingsbury with kyler murray who he essentially handpicked. You've been waiting for him to be able to do this. 21 of 32 for 289, four touchdowns. He had the 20 yards on the ground. And you had different receivers catching different touchdowns. And that's always when the offense, I think, is ticking well. DeAndre Hopkins is a talent in his own right. We've been waiting for a long time for Christian Kirk really to do something. And right. he also had the two touchdowns in this game. You can't mention this game without mentioning the defensive player, just like we did with Pittsburgh. The reason that the Cardinals, I think, were able to dominate in this fashion, well, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, um, Chase Edmonds and James Conner, they all did their part, but it was Chandler Jones with the mm -hmm. five sacks and just absolutely dominating a really good offensive lineman in Taylor Luan. Taylor Luan is supposed to be one of the better upper echelon type of um, offensive linemen in the league. And shout out to the Syracuse Orange, five sacks in week one to lead the league. Uh, yeah, Syracuse, one of the institutions of higher learning here in the United States. So that's right. Um, shout out to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like, I don't want to take away from Chandler Jones. Obviously, it's not sustainable. Lots of tweets like Chandler Jones on pace for for eighty five sacks this year. Blah, blah, blah. Who who who's uh, to say, RJ? Look, I mean, we already are enjoying some of this. You never, you don't want to more of mm. that. I mean, you only want to eat so much of that. Is there anything under that prop? Like, is there actual food from your fridge, or is it just there? Food is it is. Let me let me see here. It smoke's coming out of it. It is a piping hot humble mm. pie. And it's on it's on a paper plate. So be careful. I don't want to bleed through and get on your desk and make a mess. No, nope, you know this I mean? plate this plate is is it's ceramic. Oh, uh, oh excuse me. You I just held it up it. vertically so the pie didn't slip anywhere. I didn't make it. Uh, I didn't make it ghost there. style. I'm probably mm. dating myself where you know you you make it and you you rub it. Have you seen the movie Ghost? Where that I've, that I've never seen the movie, but I have seen the. Um, the That's shocking to me. You not having seen uh, a certain movie is. Well, I've seen the movie. Shocking to so, me. So I mean. You know, that's almost um, that's almost more home. obscure. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, good job, Cardinals. We'll see if you can keep it up. Uh, very more. impressive performance. Yeah, really. Let's go to the Seattle Seahawks and the Indianapolis <laughs> Colts. Is that the sound that the Seahawks makes? You didn't yeah. make any sound for the Eagles or the Falcons or the Cardinals, but the Seahawks, the one that incites the bird noise. For um, some reason, as I did that in my own head, I hear like the ocean kind of going a little bit. Oh, there. so that's a, that's a seagull. It's interesting. <laughs> See, like the sound you made to me is more emblematic of like the, the Ravens, but you know, I digress. Anyway, uh, Russ cooked. 28-16, Russ cooked. Mm. Talk about humble pie. Russ was making pies and beignets oh. and uh, roast beef and uh, he was making that shrimp cocktail that's famous there in Indianapolis. I mean, he was all over the place. Tyler Lockett, his sous chef. I mean, this was an impressive performance from the Seahawks. Uh, well done, Russ. Well done. Yeah, you had at least four receivers with uh, – you had four receivers with at least three catches in this. He made work with – or he made uh, use out of Tyler Lockett, as you mentioned, who was able to get the two touchdowns. DK Metcalf actually had a touchdown in this game. I thought it was kind of telling that the – touchdowns to Lockett came in the first half and uh, got out to the 21-10 lead. You end up getting the Metcalf touchdown later. And I think for the longest time, we have framed this, and there's been some credence to it because of the way like Wilson went at the organization in, in the offseason. We've always been like, well, Pete, would you just let Russ cook? 
And maybe the best scenario for Seattle is like doing a little bit of both where you let Russ cook mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game and perhaps he cooks and then maybe you change your game plan, hand it off to Chris Carson 16 times for 91 to sort of seal it. And then on the other side of this, you had a faulty offensive line, which is exactly what Carson Wentz, who needed the offseason and didn't get it. He needs to be protected. He really wasn't in this game. See, and I disagree. I, I disagree 100 percent with that. And I think. I, no, you think I, he was making his own problems? Yeah, I think that, you know, that's the take today, right? And I saw a tweet from uh, from Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts in the Athletics, saying, you know, the Colts offensive line hasn't been this terrible in a long time. And it's like, let's look at the the common denominator here, and like, or the denominator that's changed here, right? The, the denominator is now Carson Wentz. So at the time of this recording, um, PFF is, hasn't finished uh, grading all of week one's Sunday games. And it was hit 10 times. He was, but at the time of this recording, Carson Wentz had the longest average time to throw among quarterbacks in week one. The longest. That's his thing. What was the second on it? uh, I believe it was 2.94. Let's see. I can pull that up for you. Exactly. Um, 0.93 to 0.94 is the difference there. I mean, but my point is like, it's, it's the, the top one. Like that's Carson. You know what I mean? Like he is somebody who is going to always hold on to the ball. Um, I'm looking for this right now, by the way. But I mean, that's a huge problem for him. You know what I mean? Like, again, I, I and I think we saw this with Philadelphia last year. It's like, oh, man, this offensive line is so terrible. This offensive line, they're taking, so you know, he, they're just not protecting once, whatever. I mean, and then Jalen Hurts gets in there, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, what happens? Like, well, what happens? Well, we, like we would agree that Jalen different. Hurts is a little bit more elusive than Carson Wentz. But it's not even about elusiveness. It's just about, you know, helping your like helping your offensive line. I mean, and and not holding onto the ball forever. You also had Quinton Nelson back. Eric Fisher is not ready. I, I, I understand, and I'm I'm willing to maybe meet you halfway. Like I, I don't think Carson Wentz is completely without fault, but uh, the offensive line could have been better. Uh, and and I, I think with Wentz in particular, the situation needed to be perfect for him to maybe have success. You know what I mean? The situation needed to be 100% perfect for him to maybe have a 25 to 30% chance at, at success. And so far, because of the injury, because of the offensive line, Quentin Nelson is one of the better alignment in the league, um, gets injured as well. It's been anything but perfect. And this was a guy to me who already struggled in situations that were imperfect. And I just, I can't see a path to success right now. I agree with you. I'm just saying, you know, this is on Carson. Like I'm way more inclined to believe this is on Carson Wentz. All of the data supports that the Colts' offensive line is sterling, and that Carson Wentz takes creates sacks for himself. And so again, that's why you know it's like, wow, what happened? Here? It's like, well, what happened? This is Carson Wentz. This is who. He okay, did. but like even even look at the run game though. Jonathan Taylor, you'd agree, is a really talented running back. Seventeen sure. for fifty six. I, I I can't think that that's completely on him. Uh, all I'm saying is if there is a single arguably player in the NFL who has, I don't know what the opposite of the benefit of a doubt is, but it's Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so that's, that's, but um, let's move on. Enough Wentz bagging. Let's go to our nation's capital, Pete Tweeney, yes. where the Los Angeles Chargers Super. traveled uh, across T. the country and handed the WFT an L. 20 to 16, the final score. Justin Herbert came out. Impressive performance. We mentioned PFF metrics. According to Pro Football Focus, Pete, no offense allowed a lower pressure rate in week one than the Los Angeles Chargers. And that wasn't just against any team. That was against a Washington defense. And many people believe is one of the very best in the NFL. Rightly believe, obviously. Um, obviously has an incredible front seven. Chargers, they did it. Yeah, as I've been trying to say, and 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 my writing off of Josh Allen, mm, you're two the best only qu- person who believes in the Chargers. The right? two mm. best quarterbacks in the AFC, maybe in the same division in the AFC West, in Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Mm. Herbert threw for 337 yards and looked really, really good. He overcame what were turnovers in the red zone and an interception and continued to put his nose down and I thought willed his his team to victory in a really tough game. And here's the key point here. In years past, this Chargers franchise always loses this game. It's a four-point game. You're grinding it out in the end. You're facing a tough defense. Think back to the Phillip Rivers days for a second. There's some kind of turnover, and all of a sudden the other team wins. This was a signature win in that where it was up in the air. It was in it, it, it could have gone either way. 
and the Chargers were able to get it done. Keenan Allen looks like he has always had. Mike Williams has had trouble staying healthy in the mm-hmm. past, but I think Mike Williams is a, a t- under-the-radar talented receiver if he can just stay on the field. Austin Eckler, I thought this was a fun moment. Um, he was questionable suddenly. Fantasy so intertwined. He said this after the game. Ah. Hey, we made it, fantasy football owners. We made it to it. week one, made it through, so hopefully I got some points for y'all, and I look forward to week two. When people first found out that I was questionable, they were like, hey, man, what's going on? People tweeting at me, DMing me. There's no reason to, to have doubt in your health, messages. Austin Eckler. Not you ever. No way. Austin Eckler shouting out not only his team, but the fantasy owners. Uh, you got to uh, love that. And I tweeted out my picks prior to uh, Thursday Night Football. I have the Chargers in the AFC title game against the Chiefs. I think the two best teams are in the AFC West. Um I, it was a very impressive performance from the Chargers. There's no denying that. Yeah, miss me with the Austin Eckler stuff. Uh, I do have an Austin Eckler share in Dynasty, so I mean, I'm certainly happy that he played well. But he, <laughs> I mean, he played fine. I mean, he didn't like play overly well. And Austin Eckler has really tried to, you know, own the fantasy sector here. I love that. I'd love it too. But you know, a- again, like being, you know, being all dismissive, like yeah, I can't. You know, people were like asking me about why, you know, me being questionable. It's like. There's a long-standing history why people should be concerned about you being questionable, Austin. Um, but you mentioned uh, great receiving performance. I did want to, Pete. Uh, this is our first total season of Monday Football Monday without our third leg, Michael Kist, uh, our, the boss, as he is known around here at the Espionation NFL Show. He has really and, changed, and, well, and it is in uh, a good way. Uh, he's tough but fair, and well, he's and he says hello. By before the way, you, before you really interrupt it, I want to say hello to Kiss and I want to also and say offer, hello to Kiss, you know, and the, tell him the that OG he is the award boss. here on the Monday Football no, don't Monday do it. production. Don't do it. The Yeet no. of the Week no. belongs to Terry McLaurin for the unbelievable, gravity-defying, physics-defying, body-twisting catch behind him. Okay. This was the sickest catch. That anybody made in oh, week right. one. It came from Taylor Heineke, the most unpredictable quarterback in the NFL. The fact that he was unpredictable. Even in the game, unpredictable. He almost ca- he knocked McLaurin off Tom Brady with last the yeet year. Of the week. The That's not best the OG award, award that Monday Football Monday has. To everybody offer. knows Congratulations that. Congratulations to Terry The best award so is you. Really the come up of job. the week. Mm-hmm. And speaking of a a mm-hmm. person who shouldn't Love be talking about awards, how many awards have you tried to invent on this show? And hey, look, I can look through how many have stuck. I'm a citizen and I'm glad, of the people. You I'm know glad what I'm that saying? we're live I'm, and I'm we're a, on video mm-hmm. because I'm I'm, I'm holding up world. a circle, a I'm donut hole. The, the green of jacket the of the week, the cheese of the week. Congratulations to Terry McLaurin. The happy go lucky. Dance. I know you're sad. I know you're bummed that the Yeet of the Week is the biggest show. You know, we got. I think that I don't know if you know this. We got Yeet of the Week merchandise. I have a hot take here, or maybe it's Mm. not a hot take. Mm. Now you're gonna hate on Terry McLaurin because you don't like the Yeet of the Week. Washington needs to consider Heineke, even if it's Patrick. Okay, so actually, before we move on, let's get there. Uh, The story moving forward here is obviously going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has a partially dislocated hip. Is the layman's term verb or uh, you know description? He's an old man with a broken hip. I I am not making light of that, but I'm making light of it. I I'm being 100 percent serious here. I take no pleasure in the fact that any player ever would get hurt. Uh, But a lot of people believed that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be like the reason that Washington would be a playoff team in 2021. That never made sense to me. Uh, but obviously, we didn't really get to see him play in this game, and that that you know bears merit as well. But Washington, Pete, uh, now without Ryan Fitzpatrick, they do play on Thursday night football this week against your New York Football Giants, and so that's going to be just gross. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, I mean, Thursday night football games have gotten better over the years, I will say. But you still get that stinker, and this one, so, I will agree with you, has stinker. This is the, Washington has their buy in week nine. This is their schedule between now and there. They're 0 and 1. They get the Giants on Thursday. They are at Buffalo next Sunday. And I know that oh, you know, two I, wins. I, I know That's two quick wins. I know that I'm down on them and I know that you're certainly down on them, but we both believe in Buffalo there. They visit Atlanta <laughs> in week four. Uh, they play That's New Orleans, who we'll touch on in, a little bit, in week five. They host the Kansas City Chiefs in week six. And then they visit the Green Bay Packers and Denver Broncos before they're by. So, uh, rough stretch of games coming up for the Washington football team. Heineke all the best. looks good, though. Could be the all the best, best quarterback Ryan in the Patrick. Anyway, Heineke, Heineke could be the second best quarterback in the division, of course, behind Jalen Hurts. We'll have to see how it the plays out. Carolina Panthers defeated the New York Jets 19 to 14, the final score here. Um, 
this was i don't think we need to spend much time on this you know this was i mentioned you know thursday will be gross this was gross this was not enjoyable to watch in any capacity um i was grateful that i only watched it in spurts on the red zone channel by the way nice to have scott hansen back in our lives uh you know with that production but i did want to shout out pete uh matt rule carolina panthers head coach because from a cowboys perspective all i have heard and I'm not trying to cape for Mike McCarthy, but all I have heard is, man, we could have had Matt Rule. Matt Rule could have been the coach of the Carolina. Matt Rule is going to be a great coach in the NFL. Matt Rule, Matt Rule, Matt Rule. Well, guess what Matt Rule did, Pete? He is the biggest coward in oh. the NFL. No, don't say that. Punting from the New York Jets' 33-yard line. On fourth and six. Yeah, I can understand if it was like, you know, I don't know, uh, if they started out first and goal on the three and, you know, all these penalties kind of moved them back or something weird like that, like a long sack. We've seen that happen at times. But fourth and six, he punts from the Jets' 33-yard line. What a coward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go in on Matt Rule being a coward. I, I think he's doing his job. He, he's... There, How is that doing his what's, job? What's been lost in this analytical push this is a little something. This is, is a little something sense. we call feel for the game, and I, you know, I, I see it as Pete, I, I, I have a this. pleasure covering Andy Reid. Sometimes do he goes with the analytical book. Mm, Sometimes do he he digs in to that twenty-one years. Yeah, I, I believe it too, Bear. I know you believe this. I know you're passionate about this, Andy Reid. Sometimes goes by the feel of the game, and sometimes you, that's what you do. You you don't you don't feel like you, you can make the kick. You don't want that uh, all of a sudden that field position switch, and you're in control of the game. And look, they got the W. I have a couple points on this, and because I I'd like to do my job here. Christian McCaffrey being back and healthy in the NFL is good for the sport. There's nobody like him. I I know that we like to talk about Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara being in that realm, and I I think that's fair on their best days. But watching this guy. I, it, it's like a robot to me. It it, remi it's, it reminds me of Mahomes at the running back position. There's just nothing like watching CMC play that position, and he plays it differently than any other running back in the league. And that's going to help Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has an incredible, I think, um, lot uh, of weapons here, one of them being Robbie Anderson. Both of these guys, the double revenge touchdown, 57-yarder, only one catch on the day for Robbie Anderson, but it ends up being an important one. Got the Carolina Panthers up to nine, nothing. Um, Wilson was under a lot of pressure here. He took six sacks and it was by all different kinds of Panthers. So the Panthers defense was able to get pressure from everywhere. Uh, Darnold ends up getting his revenge after the game. He was a little bit humble about it. Maybe um, he is someone who didn't want to eat humble pie like yourself uh, on this day. Um, and oh my, wait a minute. What is that? What am I hearing in my ear? Oh, wow. Wait. A quarterback got revenge at the team who gave up on him. Okay, what is that? Oh, that means that Sam Darnold is your first 2021 come up of the week. Congratulations to Sam. You always root for a redhead or that strawberry blonde or whatever he is. I'm so happy that he was able to get some revenge. So, um, Shout out to us, Pete, because we do stream this show live, which is always fun. And so anyone watching has seen I've had to duck out of frame two times in the last 10 seconds. I saw, oh, I saw that. Oh, I, I know. Pro. I know I, you I, saw it. You're on the show. Catching I mean, it. I, I caught it. I knew so, I had to talk a little bit longer, so I decided to deal out my award. You're doing a great job. Everybody, Thank heard, you. The dog, everybody heard the dog barking. It's uh, it's trash day. And so I, that has I have to tell him. you, it, it sounded to me like Bear might be an Andy Reid fan. He no, only started chirping. I, I, I wanted to bring this up because I had to duck out for, this, for the podcast audience. Um, I think Pete mentioned something about Sam. Dar I don't. I don't really know, but we don't have to touch on it that much. Uh, whatever, Pete. Was yeah, it was the come up of the week, the number uh, one award mm, on the best show on the SB Nation NFL. There wasn't show any Football energy Monday. associated with this. I mean, Woo! really embarrassing uh, for the come. Look up out of the in week. the mail for your trophy, Sam. Pete, think about this for a second, okay? Mm. Like just in a vacuum, the yeet of the week goes to Terry McLaurin, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, sure. just an incredibly talented player. Sure. You have decided with like a full, clear, and conscious mind to give the award that you believe to be the premier award here on the on Monday Football Monday to Sam Darnold. That's Ball. who you chose. You, you are literally nine times. Matt Nagy starting Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. That's who you are right now. Fall nine times, uh, stand up ten. 
setbacks mm. pave the All way right. for comebacks. Anyway, um, the come up of the week is mm. always a story of hope. And there's it's a lot not. of hope the here the week with Sam Darnold and Matt Rule mm. and the Carolina Panthers. Who mm. I switched out the Cardinals for that last playoff spot in my Twitter. Mm. Anyway, uh, card prediction. All right, let's uh, let's move on because this one's going to take some time. I imagine the Kansas City Chiefs emerge oh, victorious yeah. over the Here Cleveland Browns, thirty-three <laughs> to twenty-nine. Yep. I have Woo! some thoughts, but I'll okay. I'll let you go first. The floor is yours, P twenty. I mean, I have nothing to say. I'm more curious as to your thoughts, uh, considering. I mean, okay. you, know, you are a guy who, like Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, is a grumpy man when it comes to the Kansas City oh, Chiefs. Okay. And you you have a lot of self-doubt. And you just want to see people fail. You want to see this team fail. Right. You want to see Patrick Mahomes. And you want to think me, that he is not the real thing. Let's, but let's as I've this. told you a number of times, the man, what do I say, RJ? Say it with me. Don't do it. He refuses Jeez, to lose. He refuses to lose. And we saw it once again. Kept on scoring. Kept on mm. scoring. The defense is going to figure it out. The defense is going to figure it out. And it happened again. And all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield, who had a great day. I feel bad for Baker because he had a great day otherwise. Threw a terrible pick to end this game. It's going to be on all the highlights. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kansas City victorious. Not No surprise. So here's the thing, Pete. I think, and I am very curious. In fact, I am calling out the oddcast to directly answer this point on Tuesday when we hear where BLG and Stats have power ranked. I know they're BLG's power rankings, but giving credit um, to to stats as well um stats i know you're watching live so please address this on the podcast as well Pete, you have made us all feel this way mm. um <laughs> which is part of the uh you know what what the listeners feel you know you are right. homer pete you know you're homer simpson here uh, by the you, way if you pick if you pick if you pick you said you wanted to you have you said you have to pick the game then you get them all right and you just happen to pick them in the win is that being a homer or is that being a good analyst here's the thing uh, on the subject of Homer Simpson, it was so nice to have the like classic Fox and CBS commercials back in the afternoon. You know what I mean, like, yeah, during this game, for example, the 60 Minutes commercial. You know what I mean? It just felt nice. It felt nice to have that back. But um, Pete, do you know where your children I, are? I want to give full credit to Patrick Mahomes for the play that Thank almost you. was Yeet of the week. The incredible 75-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. And you're right. The, the Kansas City offense, you know, was a little, I want to say asleep at the wheel, but just a little bit groggy. Uh, finally came out, and that's why you have to be aggressive for four full quarters. That's why Kyle Shanahan can never beat the Chiefs, right? Takes his foot off the gas. And so that has to be the MO. And so while I agree with you, it's an impressive win for the Chiefs. And kind of like Pittsburgh, like I mentioned, they are clearly a team that can still grind it out in the AFC. The Chiefs did not figure this out as much as the Browns got cowardly. The fourth and or the punt that Jamie Gillen uh, muffed is a huge part of this turnover here or this turnaround for the Chiefs. I mean, if that punt, you know, look, I'm not trying to. Well, that say, goes oh, back into 100% capacity of the crowds, which is going to impact everybody. Sure, I'm, I mean, or it's just a bad punt. I mean, like, I don't want to, I don't want to take away from the crowds. I don't, but I don't know that I 100% believe it automatically is a point that belongs on the crowds, like any crowd across the NFL. It was a muff punt. And that's a big piece to this. Okay. So if that doesn't happen, who knows? It does happen. So credit to the Chiefs again. But then the second most cowardly decision of the week, I thought, was Kevin Stefanski choosing to punt on the next position, the fourth and seven. I know it was deep in Cleveland's territory at that point. But at that point, Kansas City had scored touchdown after touchdown. You had woke the sleeping giant. You cannot ever go to Arrowhead and punt in that situation. You just can't. And Kevin Stefanski, like you mentioned the Baker pick and people will look at that and that will make all the clips and highlights and everything over the course of the week. And people will ask Baker about it and whatever. And he deserves a lot of, you know, criticism for it because he threw a pick, right? That's what happens. But Kevin Stefanski not going for that. You have to, you have to, we saw that disposition earlier in the game going for two. I love that decision. They went for it early on fourth downs multiple times in the first half. I don't know what changed. I know it's fourth and seven. I know they're deep in their own territory, but if you don't get that, you're going to lose no matter what. And so you have to go for it at that point in time. So I again, this isn't quite Steelers-Bills where the Bills lost it and the Steelers didn't win. Chiefs did everything that they need to do to win this game. But it's disappointing to see a team not take it the full distance against the Chiefs, which the Browns almost did. I am, I'm only very, very enthusiastic because I'm just trying to counteract. And, and uh, if 
if there are Mahomes truthers, RJ is the opposite of that, as he likes to say. Mahomes is awesome, but again, the fact that this and was another this was another one possession game for the Chiefs that they almost lost. Like here's like the fact that you were denying there are any chinks in the armor, or that it is at all inconceivable that they could ever lose a game. They were losing this game. They almost lost this game. They're not this. They're not. They are still not the peak version of themselves that we have seen before. And I agree with you with Stefanski. The truth of the matter is when the Browns were building what became a 22-10 lead at halftime, they were aggressive early on in this game, especially in the first quarter. And I'll give you an example. They went for it on fourth down. And then when the Chiefs were offside on what would have been an extra point, they lined up for two. So Stefanski knew that he had to score eight points. It's hard for me to agree with you on on your point because they were on the 28-yard line late in the game. It's you tough. Gotta for, go for it. You got. You have set, to, fourth that, and seven. That, but if you point, if you don't come all this but, way, but you the Browns have to do it. The Browns and, and this up, isn't this isn't just any the Browns game ended up the getting Browns. the ball back after that though. Aren't I know they? that. I know that if did. they if they don't convert that, the game's over. Yeah, but if they, I mean, they ended and, up getting the ball cre- back. Credit to Miles Garrett and and Jadavion Clowney for getting the third down sack on Patrick Mahomes on the next Chiefs possession. But I mean. Kansas City was moving that ball. And so maybe to that point, Kevin Stefanski believes, I would not make that bet. I would I, I would not the, want to put the ball back in Patrick Mahomes' hands. I, I want to say, so the Browns didn't have Odell. We thought they might. That makes a gigantic difference. I want to acknowledge that. The Chiefs didn't have, who are considered two of their top defensive players, in Tyron Matthew, who literally sets up the entire secondary. And also Frank Clark, which I think hurt them. And they didn't know how to operate for two or three quarters. Meanwhile, Kudos to Patrick Mahomes and the offense for basically just buying time, buying time, buying time. There were second half adjustments. We don't know exactly what they were. That was what Andy Reid alluded to. That was actually my question. He said basically on third downs, they ended up adjusting. Didn't want to get into details of that. You don't understand. But the defense was different in the fourth quarter. They were finally getting the Baker Mayfield. Chris Jones ends up having the two sacks. And then all of a sudden, you, you started to see it tilt. Last year, the Chiefs came back five of six games where they were down 10 points or more. And that's Again, a, they, a message to are, the AFC. But that's but that's my, that's the overall point, Pete. Is that this this isn't a flawed team? That's not what what the statement means. But they are flawed. They have flaws, and to their credit, they have been able to overcome them way more often than not. That's just hard. Is not sustainable. It's so not. The, so to me, the the Pittsburgh front, who had a really nice day Sunday, is similar to the the Browns front. The Bills did not look good. The Titans did not look good. We'll see the Ravens tonight. This is why I continue to say the Chiefs' biggest threat is in their division, and I feel that way completely. I am very interested to see how they play against teams that don't get cowardly in the fourth quarter. Matt Rule would never have a shot against the Chiefs, but I digress. Anyway, uh, let's uh, we can zip through this game. I think we both have the same takeaway, but the New Orleans Saints uh, dominated. What happened in there? I'm I'm I was covering the Chiefs, or I was at, and I just it, it's almost is- Pete. It's almost as if Aaron Rodgers making a big old distraction of himself and his team over the entire offseason might have had an impact. I mean, this, this the Green Bay Packers offense looked completely broken. And Sean Payton, this was his game. I mean, in every sense, every way, shape, or form. This I don't want to say this is like the Eagles game. Like, I don't, I'm interested. The Packers gave up, dude. I mean, like, they waved the white flag. They put Jordan Love in. I mean, this was a clear, just, you know, gutless it was- effort from the Packers. And so, like, I'm just kind of interested to see who the Saints are beyond this game. But man, this was really, really, really rough for the Packers. It's it's tough for Aaron Rodgers because we know how talented he is off the MVP award, right? But it's just hard not to look at the off seasons and compare them when you get this result. Like Jameis Winston was in, you could quote unquote, if whatever you want to do, a quarterback battle with Taysom Hill. So he had to show up every day. He had to prove himself. He had to make yeah. throws. He had to grind. He He was trying to earn a job after Drew Brees ended up leaving. Aaron Rodgers was in Hawaii. He was doing Jeopardy. He was doing every interview. He was playing the golf. If you do that, which is fine, right? Because way different reasons, but we saw TJ watch do that and he dominated. You can do that, but you got to win and you definitely can't be embarrassed. And, and that's, the, and that's, that's exactly the check. what happened. That's the check he wrote this offseason. And it wasn't and that, even in the Superdome. This was a, a neutral site. Dude. Well, and every, like, I mean, like everybody made a lot to do about the weather and the humidity in Jacksonville and everything. Doesn't matter. It was, that, that's the same for both play- players. I, I agree. I mean, but I'm just saying this was a. T- you said you were busy and you were rightly busy, but I mean that was a talking point throughout the game. And so, yeah, I mean, that, I I've said I know stats have said Aaron 
I I really think it was in Aaron's best interest to sit out because he the the way he acted over the offseason, he wrote a check that even he can't cash. He just can't like it, he right. would have had to have come out and gone 35 of 35 for 450 yards and five touchdowns to justify everything that he did over the offseason. And now now if you didn't believe that that stuff was a distraction before, you said it Pete, it's hard to not connect those dots. It's hard to not say, well, do you think you should have been around here more? Why don't you have the connection or the chemistry with your offensive players, et cetera? Randall Cobb, turns out, didn't save the world in returning to the <laughs> Packers. And so uh, this was a, a really pedestrian performance. Marshawn Lattimore did get the new deal with the Saints. Jameis Winston looked really nice, really solid. That's the again. point we, got, we had to hit on is Winston. Uh, I think it was just great to see Winston happy again. Yeah. I mean, he looked so thrilled to finally be back in that position. And there are so many times in this league where someone just eventually peters out and just has no return. Either they're a backup or they fall out of the league. They just never get to that second chance. And I just thought it was just so great to see him get the second chance. Only 148 yards, but five touchdowns on the day. And I also think that we need to touch on what this game probably meant to the city of New Orleans with all the hurricane stuff. This was a quote from Demario Davis. We knew that even though some people don't have power, they're going to find a way to watch the Saints. That's just what this team means to the city, and the city means the same to us. So a little bit of break from reality yesterday where you see this domination, and it must have been uh, something to smile about in New Orleans. I like that. Very much so. Congratulations to the Saints. Really awesome win for them. Uh, They're on the road uh, for the next two games, I believe. So the next chance at seeing them in the Superdome is October 3rd. Uh, on October 3rd, he asked me what day it was, Pete. But uh, we head down or head up now to New England where the Patriots fell to the Dolphins, a one-point loss, 17-16, the final score uh, for the Dolphins, who did outlast uh, New England. This was also, Pete, I know you were busy. This one and the next game we'll talk about uh, were kind of not gross or boring, but just kind of blah. Um, I mean, it was the Dolphins and the Patriots and Tua and Mac, and so it had a little bit of juice. But near the end of the game, both teams turned the ball over and tried to give it to one another. Um, I, it, it was I don't know that I I I wouldn't say I, I don't know that I learned anything, but I don't know that I came away being able to make any sort of determination about these teams after one week's worth of games. I think Bill Belichick and and Josh McDaniel know they have a rookie quarterback and they're designing a game plan to just get it done. It's not going to be pretty for them if they're going to end up making the postseason. Um, and I think they were playing this perfectly. If it wasn't for that Harris fumble, Patriots probably end up winning this game. There are problems, though, because New England, they had Miami in total yards, 393 to 259, 24 first downs to Miami, 16. They won the time of possession battle by 13 uh, minutes, uh, but there were penalties and there were the four turnovers, including Harris's and even the Patriots, especially if you make those fumbles with a quarterback who's just getting his legs under him. It's his first career start. You, you got to play the rest of the game well as a team. And they just didn't do that. Had they had one less turnover, you know, in this game, maybe, maybe it, it goes a different way. For what it's worth, um, Tua did not finish in the top 10 of offensive grades on his own team from PFF. So, you know, if PFF's grades of the Miami Dolphins offensive players, Tua is not in the top 10. Mac Jones was number one on the Patriots side. So no Stefan Gilmore hurt in this game. Two sure. was able to have deep passes of 36 and 30 and two more out for the, for the first six weeks on the pup list. Uh, their six game, no big deals against the Cowboys. So two should uh, not be beating you deep. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's uh, this one really will be quick. Um, I believe that because we have Sunday night football, but the Broncos, the giants, 27 Bad. to 13, the final score. Again, this was just kind of there. You know what I mean? This this was, you know, for somebody who was watching the Red Zone channel, it was like, oh, cool, you know, a score. Uh, you know, not a, not a big-time thing here. But Daniel Jones, lo and behold, Pete, turned the ball over when the game was on the line. Just can't do that. I mean. They have to, they got to get a new quarterback. I, I like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, know how, many this, I don't know how many different ways you have to see it. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater bested him. Uh, the, the Broncos were bold, as you will like, the anti-rule, if you will, on this episode three for three on fourth down one was a touchdown bada bing bada boom that was it uh the giants pete have averaged 14 points per game in their last seven games with jason garrett as the offensive coordinator they have not had over 265 passing yards since the 2019 season uh again jason garrett took over there are backups that you would take i would take before jones i might take heineke before jones fitzpatrick i I don't think that that's absurd honest i mean the heineke point the ryan fitzpatrick i think a lot of people would agree with that I would maybe, I mean, and I have dogged on him. I would maybe take Jared Goff. Cooper Rush or Daniel Jones? 
I mean, I would take Daniel Jones, but um, <laughs> I would take. You do have your victory polo on, which you don't deserve today. I would take, take Drew. I, it's a company polo. You, I would take Drew Locke. Do the rest of the show shirtless. Take that off. I thought about it. Uh, finally, Pete, Sunday night football. The Los Angeles Rams winning with authority, thirty-four to fourteen. The final score. Uh, Matthew Stafford. Andy Dalton, there was a lot to take away here on both ends of the spectrum. Positively, Stafford justified a lot of the offseason hype. I mean, it was there, right? Like all the things that have been, oh man, watch, we're going to see this, well, we're going to see, we saw it. I mean, we saw the, the story bombs. Sunday morning too. Did you, did you happen to check that out where um, McVeigh and Stafford were having like dinner dates during the offseason and they said it wasn't tampering since the agent like knew about the trade and, and whatnot. And, um, and yeah, so um, they've been working on this for a while, and uh, St- McVeigh. I, I felt bad for Goff watching this game because it's like the era of Instagram where you have to watch your ex girlfriend with the new new boy, you know, or or gal or whatever, because it 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 they looked like the happiest duo on the planet together and Jared Goff barely came, you know, almost will the, his team back to a comeback. And then he has to sit there on his couch and watch as uh, you, you see McVeigh and Stafford and smiling and throwing the ball downfield to Van Jefferson for a big touchdown. Uh, I feel bad for Jared Goff, man. Yeah, dude. I mean this. So after the, the first uh, Stafford touchdown, the Rams defense was seen like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, like I make this reference a lot, but look like Andy Dufresne. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, like free. I mean, it, it looked very LA. You know what I mean? Like there yes. was a big party. There was music. There was vibes. It was all good. Um, I mean, Matthew Stafford looked great. We heard from Chris Collinsworth several times about how Stafford and Cooper Cup eat breakfast together and watch film together. And that's their thing, et cetera. Um, but we also heard Pete from Chris Collinsworth. I know you were busy getting stuff done for Arrowhead Pride. He might be the only person in the world who thought that Andy Dalton played well on Sunday night. Collinsworth was lavishing Andy Dalton with praise, said, oh, yeah, he threw an interception tip ball, whatever. What do you mean, whatever? Like, I mean, it was, you know, the Andy Dalton interception was not good. Well, um, I'll I, turn I to you. you. You watched Andy Dalton all last year. Should he be starting in Chicago? No. I mean, I, I maintain that. So I've said this about the Cowboys entering the season. The ideal archetype for a backup quarterback is somebody who very recently has started a lot of games, who is somewhat young, um, and who has had success before. Like the ideal archetype right now is Gardner Minshew to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. That's why I was so bummed the Cowboys weren't the, the team to trade for him. And I thought that Andy Dalton, he wasn't necessarily young last year, but he fit that archetype, right? He was coming off of a lot of, he, he had a lot of success, uh, not a ton of success, but, you know, had had proven himself to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's who you want to be your backup quarterback. Um, and so that's not the guy that can start. I think Andy Dalton was, I don't want to say given a raw deal, but there were so many injuries for the Cowboys last year. It's kind of hard to really properly evaluate what he did. Um, and so I tweeted this during the game last night for the bears went the way that everybody in the universe, except for Matt Nagy thought it would go. Everybody thought that Andy Dalton's going to come out. It's going to be gross. It's going to be nothing. going to be whatever. And Justin Fields played sparingly. Um, only had two attempts versus, you know, Andy. Or, uh, he had a Andy touchdown. Dalton. I know he did, but he ran it in. We didn't throw it. But, I mean, you know. But that, and, is, that is the difference, dude. Like, I, that is I, no, the I, look, I'm not. I'm not, you know, like, you know, a proponent for starting Andy Dalton. But, I mean. I I'm I know like you know you want to develop Justin Fields you don't want him to develop bad habits etc but dude this this is not you have working. to announce you ha- I don't understand it from Matt Nagy and I wonder sometimes is it coming from the top to say let's go with Dalton until we feel that Fields is it's comfortable so and ready stupid if it is I because mean- if it's if it's solely Matt Nagy's decision I mean you have to watch this game and you have to say. Look, I I know that we need to see progress this year. Nagy could be like one of the people on the chopping block because cleaning house is not out of question for this particular regime. And I, I know that they might fire the GM first since Nagy didn't necessarily go nah, dude. with I, Trubisky. The, the way this story goes is the Bears are going to fall to like one and three in their first month of the season. And then Matt Nagy is going to come out. 
He's going to say that, and I've joked about this, that fought that next Wednesday in his first press conference. Um, yeah, Justin uh, Justin will be running with the ones this week. And then, you know, somebody will be like, oh, so is he starting? And then he'll be like, well, you know, he's going to run with the ones. And then, then the reporter will insist and be like, okay, but just to be clear, who's your starting quarterback on Sunday? And then Matt Nagy will be all terse and pissed off, be like, Justin will be starting on Sunday, you know, and it, and it will just be like, okay. And then guess what? Justin Fields will win some games and the bears will sneak into the playoffs and they will be a solid team. And then at the end of the season, the bears will fire Matt Nagy and the conversation will be, we have found the guy. We have found the quarterback. Now we have to go find the coach who can elevate the quarterback. That's exactly how this story goes. I hope it doesn't. I, I think if Matt Nagy and it's up to him, has any sense and, and wants to continue being head coach of the Chicago Bears, you gotta announce Fields on Wednesday. This Wednesday. He's Dude, gotta I, start. I had a friend weekend. I had a friend who texted me during the game last night and said, Weird question. Should the Bears be allowed to bench Andy Dalton? Like should they should they have to like wear this? Like should Matt Nagy like you know what I mean? Like and uh my friend is a Houston Texans fan. He we were talking about when Bill O'Brien started Brian Hoyer over yeah. uh over Deshaun Watson in twenty seventeen. And remember in that first game, you know, Bill O'Brien pulls Hoyer and, and puts Watson in. And so, you know, kind of deflects the blame. Like, I do like Matt Nagy, you made this bed. You know what I mean? Right. Like everybody told you this was a horrible idea. And I actually think this is really mean to do to Andy Dalton. Because now Andy's the like the you know the the face to to the dysfunction for people. I mean, this was just they you should know, have never came out in the offseason and tweeted QB one. The, the tweet means nothing to me. I don't think the tweet is anything to but do I, with this. I think I no, I know I, I I what I'm saying is to me that that's an organizational a organization that is coming forward and saying this is the direction we're going in. Like I don't think that tweet gets sent out honestly without the approval of the head coach and knowing mm -hmm. okay this is the direction we're going in. I don't That's subscribe I to that, but I do I want to lastly mention the Stafford thing. It looked like it looked like okay, this this might actually be a thing. Like this this dude might actually have an MVP season. The Rams might you know be this offensive juggernaut again for the first time since that Monday Night Football loss to the Chiefs. I mean, the Rams were sterling. Um, it's it's going to be really exciting to watch this offense all season. Best team in the NFC is the ceiling for the Los Angeles Rams after that showing. Mm. I I will say. I did not hate the uniforms last night. I've I've not been a fan of them, but I loved the end zone. I loved that there was like a, a, a yellow border on the top and bottom of the blue. I right. loved it. Uh, so uh, kudos to the Rams. Um, anything else, Pete? Before we we sign off? No, I, I just I'll throw it back to you. It did it feel okay? To, did every all the pie go down the throat? All right, and you, you're feeling all right. Do you have a tummy ache from all of it? I, or I feel very solid. Um, again, the thing I truly feel the most humbled about is the Bills, uh, but everything else hmm. holds water. And I can't wait to hear the what about the you know, first first place NFC East Eagles? The again, Bills I mean, ended up getting the no, L. We'll, we'll uh, you didn't beat against San Francisco this week. You but on the subject you didn't of beat that, the Buccaneers, on, on the subject of the game. Eagles in San Francisco, uh, the people who cover those teams, Respy Nation, Brandon Lee Gotten, Rob Stetsker, will have a podcast that will come out tomorrow on Tuesday, The Oddcast. I, I'm excited to listen to The Oddcast. We've always been nothing but complimentary of the guys at The Oddcast, so I'm really pumped to hear their production. I didn't realize they had a show tomorrow. That's good to know. Mm, you went the other way when I was going this way. Nice to see. Nice to see that the Chiefs winning hasn't gone to your head. Um, mm. Subscribe to the Espy Nation NFL show. Leave a rating, write a review. Pete Tweeney, the final word belongs to you. Go Eagles. Hmm, not your best. Later. <laughs>